This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. Hey folks, it's Vince here. I'm back with Keith, and we're here for another episode of the Secret Wars Classic Face for Podcast, because we're going to be covering Secret Wars this week. Yay! All right. A basic module, if anything, uh, from the original set, or did they actually clarify that as the original set afterwards? I keep forgetting how they classify it. Is it basic or original? I think it's basic. And then it became advanced, sort of like Dungeons and Dragons did. And then I don't, I don't know if they called it basic in the beginning. They just called it Marvel Superheroes RPG. And I think now they've gone back and said, well, that's the basic Marvel RPG, and this is the advanced. And who knows? It's TSR. In any case, this did come out right around 84, 85, I believe, and that was right after the actual event itself, and it's kind of loosely based on the actual special. I guess it was a crossover. Was it actually considered crossovers back then? I don't think it was. I think it was just special events back then. Just a limited series. Uh, I think the one before this was Contest of Champions. Mm. And uh, that sort of had everybody involved in it. And then you had uh, Secret Wars, which had everyone else involved in it. So this module is not really a module, so to speak. I printed it out because I wanted to actually get a feel for it. Mm-hmm. And I like reading them in my hands just to do this. So, But this is uh, the way it's described is it's more of just a campaign with events happening throughout a nine-day period. And it's not... I want to say that it's not... I don't. I think you probably could adjust this to custom players and your uh, custom characters in your group, though it might be a little hard to do that based upon who the villains are. Because I guess yeah, if you have superheroes, they're gonna give a crap who the villain is anyway. So I would think so. I mean, I I don't see why you couldn't substitute your own heroes and villains for it. That's certainly a possibility. So. Well, we'll go over this module right now. So, spoilers. So, if you're not, if you've never read this module, or you might be running it in your group, or you may want to run it, don't listen. And it's thirty years now. So, if you haven't looked at this or read this, then yeah, Keith doing the cut sign there. But uh, <laughs> if you haven't read it or anything, and you want to read it, go ahead, come back. We'll wait. Okay, we waited. Yep, that's it. So the premise of this is that a bunch of superheroes and villains are brought to this different plane of existence by the Beyonder, I believe his name was. The Beyonder. That's him. The Beyonder. And basically what he's trying to do is judge the superheroes and villains to see who is more worthy upon the group of people versus the other one. So he brings them to this special plane of existence where he has these special really large bases made up for them i mean the size of these bases (laughs) are a through z spots in uh if you're lettering remember the old D &D modules when they had like you know spot a b and or one two and three rooms there's z what's that 
I said, oh, yeah. They, they have Z amount of rooms in these bases. And I'm just like, holy crap, that's a lot of things to cover. But you have a whole lot of different superheroes to deal with. And they give you a whole roster full of them. Uh, just to name a few is Colossus, Cyclops, basically all the X-Men, minus some of the ones you're more familiar with. Hawkeye's there, some of the Avengers, Fantastic Four minus Invisible Woman, which I didn't get. Why she's not uh, in this? That's because at the time in the comics, she was pregnant. Oh. oh and so, so the Beyonder has a soul and a heart then, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we have, and we're introduced to Spider-Woman for the very first time, so that's, uh, interesting there as well. We got Thor, we got the Wasp, we got Absor- uh, and then we head into some villains, and we got Absorbing Man, Doctor Doom, Doctor Octopus, Enchantress, Galactus, Kang, uh, Molecule Man, Claw, Lizard, and then we have a couple- like the Wreckers, and uh, Ultron is in there as well, which he's a, a pretty interesting uh, point to this adventure. But So basically the premise is this Beyonder tells them that he's going to judge the people, judge the heroes versus the villains in this all-out battle, and he wants to see how they react to it. It's kind of like one of those episodes of like a G.I. Joe Saturday morning cartoon. It felt like a whole, like, Cobra, like the... When the toy man took Cobra and G.I. Joe and placed them in that little fun house and made them fight against each other while they judged them. It was one of those type things. I was like, I've seen this like a thousand times on Saturday morning cartoons, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and yeah, something to bear in mind is this miniseries was created and predicated on the idea that Marvel had a uh, toy line that they were trying to create toys for. So... Secret Wars got adapted to the toy line, which gave us a whole slew of action figures that were really just horrible. Around bases that were really just horrible. Um, and, you know, if you go into it with the idea that it's it's an idea... Hey, let's make money off it. Let's, you know, let's market our, to let's market our characters so they can become toys. Then... The idea makes a lot more sense and seems somewhat credible. Um, had they not adapted it to continuity, I probably would have argued that it didn't have any continuity to it. Because, I mean, the X-Men disappear, some stuff happens. And the biggest thing that really came out of it was uh, what Claremont did with the X-Men immediately afterwards because there's a whole subplot in the comic where Colossus falls in love with an alien woman who heals a bunch of people. She's a healer. Mm -hmm. And he, of course, returns to Earth and confides in Kitty Pride what happened. You know, because Kitty Pride's not in the series. True. Uh, you know, and I think it was Jim Shooter's way of getting rid of the 19-year-old Colossus, 14-year-old Kitty Pride romance. Uh, and Claremont, of course, plays it up by, you know, Wolverine takes Colossus out to a bar and the, the juggernaut happens to be frequenting and starts a bar fight between the two. 
So it was, you know, like I said, it's one of those things where very little, other than maybe Spider-Man's costume, was a big change that came out of this. Um, and of course, they rehashed it later for Secret Wars Two, because there's not enough money coming out of them there hills. They got to you know go back for a second chance. Uh, I don't recall the Secret Wars Two module off. Hand, but there was never a Secret Wars 2 as far as comic book crossover events, was there? There was. Oh, there was. Okay. There was. Yeah. And it, it, oh my God, it was horrible. It was horrible. I mean, as bad as, the first one wasn't bad because they disappeared in, you know, issue whatever and then reappeared the next issue going, oh my God, I can't believe what just happened while we were away on this other planet. Um... So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you have that stuff going on and then you don't get the story until um, much later. So the, the weird part was that, of course, 2 takes place on Earth, Beyonder comes to Earth, and as a result, we have nine issues, uh, nine months of crossovers in and out and around, and it was horrible. It was horrible. There, there was no way a kid in the 1980s could convince his parents to buy him that many comic books. Lord only knows I should know. I tried. Well, comics in the 80s were 50 cents, I believe, around that price. Significantly cheaper, but, you know, think about cost of living then, too. True. You know, when minimum wage was still 350 and, you know, you could live on that, that's one thing, but... Try living on eight twenty-five an hour, that or whatever it is nowadays. You can't do it. Yeah. So, but no. Um, as to the modules, the module, like I said, I think you could adapt the first one certainly to for anybody. You can take any group of characters. As a matter of fact, I know I've used it for homegrown characters and just put homegrown villains in it, and just left the Beyonder in the background. You know. You shall fight for me. I shall grant you the ultimate freedom. You know, that nonsense, which comes straight out of, like we said, a Saturday morning cartoon or WWE wrestling, uh, whichever you want to poke fun at first. Your choice. <laughs> but, I mean, the premise of this thing is pretty simple and it's pretty straightforward. It's basically just a big tactical battle uh, with a bunch of events happening, some minor, minor uh, story to it at all. I mean, the only real story to it is just defeat the villains, but don't kill the villains when defeating them, otherwise you lose all your karma. That's it. But uh, the module does have it planned out in, let me just find that page here. Nine planned events, or nine days, pretty much, and then you have ten... It's nine days, but there's ten events going on, I think, or total is it twelve? Twelve. Twelve events. Because the first mm -hmm. day has three, or no, the first day has four, because in the morning you have an event, the afternoon, the evening, and the night. Then you have uh, the next one on the next day, and next day. So basically the heroes are the ones have to be, it's the typical, the heroes sit in the base and do their monitor duty, and the villains either attack them by ramming the base, or by... Uh, showing up on the battlefield and calling them out. That's pretty much the entire thing. And the whole time Galactus is just sitting on the giant hill where his base is supposed to be, 
waiting mm-hmm. for his his. I, I keep calling it the mothership because I guess that's what I've always referred to his his world ship as the mothership. Waiting for his mothership. Um, what the hell is the name of that? Uh, Gaia two or something like that. Yeah, Taya two or something like that. His his mothership to show up so he can basically just blast the crap out of the Beyonder, which not gonna really work, but. I mean, th- this module pretty much tells you the Beyonder has abilities that are beyond anything you're capable of, so. That's it. That's it. And he's who the rank is named after. Beyonder. Oh, yeah, true. There you go. Oh, uh, Stephen Watson is in our chat, and he said the Hulk estimated the hero base was the size of 54.5 pentagons. <laughs> that Stephen Watson, master of Marvel trivia. Yeah, he is very much so. That's I think I, I did recall him saying that. And that's a large building, fifty-four and a half size Pentagon, put together into yeah. one. But I mean, you have a whole slew of uh, heroes here, and there's a, a two ways to run this. You could run this one way as a little. It's called Little Secret Wars, <laughs> which basically yeah. each player takes one hero. And runs them, and then the the GM will just take like one or like a handful of villains and run them. Or you can run it as the actual Secret Wars itself, which each player will take a group of the heroes, such as the Fantastic Four and Spider Man and X Men and blah 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 and blah 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 blah, blah and control a group, and then you can do that and have a big giant battle with uh, all the heroes versus the villains. And the only real story that I saw in this that comes about is that Doom. <laughs> is up to doomness as usual in this entire thing. Oh yeah. Uh, he he basically tries to sneak on Galactus's ship and find uh, out about the ultimate nullifier on the ship, which is basically the power. Uh, where the heck was it? The power to do whatever the hell he wants to do, somewhat. And he wants to absorb that power. No, he wants to use it to absorb the Beyonder's power, so he can become the most unearthly Doctor Doom possible. The Beyond Doctor Doom. Yes, the, the Beyond Doctor Doom. But it only puts all his stats up to unearthly, regardless if he does the you know absorbs his energy or not. If you read the comic, the comic this is it. it this the module is the comic book. It really is. It's yeah. broken down. And they they did a wonderful job of adapting the comic book as best they absolutely positively could. Um. And if you read it, it I mean it, it all this plays out in the comic book. If you've ever read the comic book, the you know that Doom's um plan doesn't go quite the way he wants it to. No. Never. Um well, and you know, as it shouldn't. But I mean that's the, you know, that's one of the things that happens. So Doom's plan doesn't go according to plans, and if Doom is dispatched, it does have um like plan B or backup plans in here. Ultron mm-hmm. will carry out his plans. He say, you know, he programmed Ultron to carry out his plans in case he his demise is met. And it goes all the way down the line to pretty much saying that, you know, like uh who was it? That? I, I couldn't stop laughing. It was uh the lizard lizard himself would do it. I'm like, really lizard would be that smart to do that? I mean, nah, I don't think so. But Well, yeah. you know. But then the Beyonder does make a little bit of a comeback, and then the whole point of it is he absorbs the power, and the villains that don't want to submit to Doctor Doom and or whoever the villain is that has the power will figure out a way using their reason to beat the Doctor, the Beyond Doctor Doom, as you're calling him. 
Beyond Doctor Doom. Yeah, I, I like that idea. So once you defeat the uh, Beyond Doctor Doom and everything uh, goes as planned, you get to go back to Earth with... I didn't understand, because I did not... I don't remember Secret Wars at all. I may have read it, may not have read it. I'm not going to lie. But um, their whole idea was to go back to Earth as normal people. That's their wish. Well, just normal for them. Right. You know, like I said, everybody shows back up about a week. It's it's the next month's issue, and it's a week later, and it's, oh, my God, you know, Spider-Man pops out of one of these things with Kurt Connors uh, and, you know, drops him off wherever it's into New York with his brand-new black-and-white costume, which turns out to be a symbiote. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. Yeah. But uh, it's just one of those things where, like I said, other than the, the whole Colossus thing, there really wasn't, you know, what anything that came out of it that you can go, oh my God, I have to have that issue of Secret War, other than Spider Man's costume. That was probably, you know, Venom, which was an unintended side effect of Secret Wars is the best thing to come out of Secret Wars. Uh, Stephen Watson's asking us, do you remember the last issue of What If before it became Exiles? What if the heroes lost the Secret War? I don't was it really? I do. Okay. I do. And it, it basically, the heroes get left on Battleworld and end up having kids and uh who was it rogue and captain america have a daughter and um it's not a bad issue uh, as a matter of fact i thought it was a pretty interesting issue um but it's one of those things where it was written 30 years after the fact yeah if it had been written like you know in the mid 80s that might have been something you know, you could probably point to that being a whole lot better, but I think it was one of those ultimate fan fiction type things. Somebody had an idea somewhere, and I'm not saying it's a bad issue, not at all. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not digging on it. You know, that's not what I'm doing. No, I am. So, so, so please don't email us angry that I, I said something negative about the what if issue. But uh, send all those emails to Keith at the clap. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, go ahead, you know. So, uh, but no, it's one of those things where I, I read it and I can remember reading it and thinking, this is pretty cool. The only issue is that the kids eventually figure out a way to go home. So they're like, oh, well, we've never been to Earth. We're going to go to Earth. And they show up and it's, they're in the middle of nightmares of future past. Mm. Because obviously life has gone on without them. Uh, and I'm like, I, I don't like that. Why can't they have a happy ending when they get back to Earth? So, The other thing I thought was really cool about this module was if the heroes do lose, they can stay on this, uh, I guess, plane of existence or whatever it's called. And you as the GM can do some random planning and rolling here on the charts they have listed in the back. And pretty much make your own world up out of it, and make your own monsters and things and do for them to do. The only problem is you lose karma over time. I would probably remove that to be honest, but yeah. But I think it'd be kind of cool to do that to just take that and randomly roll, you know, this that. 
have these random events happening. These different monsters have for them, you know, a new world for these heroes to kind of be in to save. And it's it sounds like fun to me, to be honest. It's it would certainly be something different. Um, the next campaign I'm planning for my tabletop game, which I probably won't get to run for at least another year, but this has been in the works for probably about four years now. Um, is what if the heroes didn't make it home? Who who's going to step up into that position? And uh, I, at first, I you know I talked to the players and uh, some of the people is interested in the game. And I said, would you guys want to play established Marvel heroes? Would you want to play your own characters? Would you, you know, what what do you want to do? And some of them were like, oh yeah, I, I want to play an established character. And others were like, I don't want an established character. That's too hard to role play. I don't know the intricacies of it. And it's like you don't. And that always got me about role-playing established characters. You don't have to know the intricacies. That would just be consistent. There's enough of the Marvel movies now that you could watch the three Captain America movies and get who Captain America is. You know what I mean? Yeah, you sure. know, at least have an idea. So, and it's not that bad. It's one of those things where it's just a matter of trying to figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Uh... But yeah, them not coming home—that was my idea, and I, you know, it picks up basically six six months down the road, and all these like B-level characters have come up, and I actually went back and looked at all the characters that were existing in Marvel at the time, and sort of modified them. Oh, the other thing was this: my Secret Wars uh, setup for all this is going to actually be in 1984. Okay, so. You can forget about high-speed internet. You can forget about dial-up. You can forget about most of that stuff. You know, this is back in the day when you saw Spider-Man go to the New York Public Library to research stuff, or ESQ's library to research stuff. So, I mean, I thought it would be an interesting concept. You know, a Marvel Universe set at a time when the game actually was introduced and is really sort of set in. I mean, if you go back and you look at the stuff in the game, it's set for the 1980s. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, they none of the stuff, you, you, you would need a major overhaul in order to get it to work modern day. But I think that's just a matter of the GM and the players having an understanding with one another about the level of technology that they're looking at. True. I mean, it's still... Just update it. It's fine. I mean, I don't have a. I don't. I, I mean, I, you're playing this game. You're knowing. You when you go into this game, this module and the box set and everything, you're knowing that you're pretty much going to a portal of the '80s. I don't. I don't care. I mean, if you can't, yeah. if you can't grasp that, and go, oh my god, why are they still using phones with cords attached? And they have to shut up. It's a game from the '80s. Like, That's it. The first time I played, uh, broke open the Ghostbusters box at the original one by West End Games from 86, was it? Uh-huh. And they were just like, well, why do they have one of the girls in, in the group, uh, this was a couple years ago, was just like, well, why do they have a boom box with a tape recorder? I go, because it's 1986. That was the most popular thing that they had back then. Exactly. She said, well, why would they have a beach ball? Because they went to the beach. You don't have beach balls anymore? <laughs> you know, whatever. 
Weird things like that. The, the car phone. It's like, who has a car phone? In 1986, a car phone was really expensive. That's what it was. That's things it. like we that. They called them bricks. But uh, yeah, you can update everything in any game to modern day. Just It just takes a GM and the players a little bit of time to do it, but it's not that difficult. So Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, I don't. I don't work too hard at it, not in reference to that. It's, you know, if they say, well, I've got a cell phone, I'm, okay, you have a cell phone. You know, it, what, if you, as long as we're not talking, you said in a specific time period, well, obviously in the 1940s, you're not going to have a cell phone. You're, you know, TVs are going to be extremely rare. Uh, everything is mostly radio or print-based. You know, it, I've ran games in the 40s. Uh, from like, the, actually I ran one that lasted from... 38, uh, 1938 to 1950. Wow. And it was, yeah, and it was, well, and it, obviously we skipped around a little bit, but I mean, we, we did a golden age game. And then my intention was to do a silver age game that was set in like from 63 to like 70 something. And of course that didn't work out because it just didn't work out. But it was one of those things where, you know, you could do anything as long as, with this game, as long as you have the, people with the right imagination for it absolutely so with that said you can go over to classic and head over to their download section and you can download this module along with all the other basic modules for free uh just head over there and uh tell them keith sent you no i'm kidding you know yep yep you can do that and uh just go ahead and download it they're uh they're easy to download easy to print i mean there was this wasn't too heavy on the printer i mean there is some black and white pictures in here but you know you can set it to whatever yes uh mm -hmm. stephen watson saying there don't forget the telex that was listed on the ghostbuster character sheet that nobody knows what a telex is anymore but i actually had to look that one up telex because i didn't remember what the heck a telex was i was like i remember it but i didn't it's pretty much the first form of a text message but it was on a computer wow sounds about right yeah but anyway, you head over there. I know you also wanted to uh, take some time to talk a little bit about um, uh, Jessica Jones, you said. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. So I saw Jessica Jones since the last time we did a podcast. I not only saw Jessica Jones, but I saw Dark Phoenix as well. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, well, let me just put it this way. Dark Phoenix is not as horrible as Last Stand. Um, and that's not really saying too terribly much. You get better action from the X-Men in it. You actually see X-Men doing X-Men-related things like uh, <laughs> Cyclops arcing his optic blast off of reflective surfaces, which it amazed me that it only took seven movies to get that. Um, they try. Yeah, oh my gosh. Uh, you, you saw Storm doing Storm-like stuff. You saw... Storm-like um, You know... I just was surprised at some of the things that were in it. And then, you know, it was just such a... Honestly, the writing was so was such a train wreck. And I'm like, you know, this is so confusing because why would you... What purpose is served by remaking a movie that failed once? I, I didn't get it. I mean, this we had this story. It failed the first time. Wouldn't you have been better served by something else? Or maybe even, God forbid, make it a two-parter that allowed you to sort of decompress some of this because in an hour and 30-something minutes long, it ain't getting it. 
and it ain't gonna get it. And you just it's it's oh my god, it was terrible. So what um, you, what you're saying is, uh, and Stephen Watson is commenting on the same. They use power stunts in the movies properly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for my god, for the first time we finally got to see Cyclops bank a shot, and I was, I, I almost, I, I cheered. I was like, yes, he did it. You know, <laughs> which. I know that sounds horrible, but it was the first time I actually felt like I saw Cyclops in a movie. After, what, six movies? Seven movies? Um, they still don't know what to do with... I mean, uh, the action scenes were better, but at the same time, unfortunately, it, I felt like they didn't know what the hell to do with these characters. And Jessica mm-hmm. Jones, segueing back to that... Before you, before you uh, get off of Dark Phoenix, was there... I heard rumors there was an after credit scene, which I didn't think made sense, but was there? I didn't see anything. Okay. Then maybe someone was just lying then. Okay. Yeah, I didn't see anything. Now, there may be one, but the, the you know, I didn't see it. Um, or at least I didn't stick around long enough to see it. Let me put it like that. Uh, I, I had my fill of it, and, you know, I, mean, I was like... Kind of pointless to have an after credit scene for a franchise that's dead now. So that's why I was like, why? Which proves the show that they they weren't sure that the X Men property was going to be bought. So at least we know that much. That's I suppose that's true. You know, and you got to look at it from the standpoint of I had a friend who asked me, well, why would Disney bother to put that out? And I said, well, they're going to recoup some money. Yeah. And. At the very least, they could take it as a write-off. It's a tax write-off. Oh, it flopped. It, yeah, we'll take that as you know. It'll be some sort of write-off somewhere. But uh, some fanboy out there will love it, and we're, we'll be done. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll release it in the. Let's see, the three Wolverine movies, the seven X-Men movies, uh, ten pack, some point. Hmm. Throw in Gifted and Legion on top of it. And, you have uh, hey. the beginnings of a mega set. I actually liked Gifted. <laughs> I did too. I did too. I actually thought that was the best version of any of those characters I had ever seen. I was thrilled that we got a Polaris on screen that actually acted like Polaris. Yeah, she did a great job. Oh, she was fantastic. Thunderbird was fantastic. Blink, yeah. I thought, and I don't even like Blink. I thought Blink was fantastic. Uh, my biggest issue with the series was that they replaced um, Havoc with somebody. I almost wish they'd left Havoc out of the X Men movies and let them have him on Gifted. I thought that would have been a nice touch, but they did what they did. And Legion, I thought, was excellent the first season, and I never could get back to watching it in season two. And I'll have to figure out. I've got Hulu, so I'll I'll watch it eventually. Well, but got one more season, then it's done. So, yeah. And I mean, it, well, and I knew that was going to end too. I mean, I I just assumed that it was going to end when Fox and Disney merged. And then the guy who was doing it said, "Well, my intention always was to end it with season three. Sure, so, it was. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh-huh. Because you guys, it's all planned out, right? Lucas planned Star Wars from the beginning, just like this. So, yeah. Uh, but segueing just Jessica Jones. Oh, yes. You want to go with that as you, I'll let you, go ahead. Oh, my God. Okay. So, um, let me just preface this by saying that I don't think that the Netflix people, 
despite any involvement by Marvel in the production of any of the series, had any idea what the hell to do with these characters once they got them. <laughs> I mean, really. Other than Daredevil, who consistently had a costume of some sort. They did do the Punisher the okay. The Punisher was good. Punisher was good. I, I give him that. Punisher, I thought Punisher was excellent. Um, Punisher was good. Daredevil was good. Luke Cage, I enjoyed. Iron Fist, oh my god. They couldn't decide what the hell to do with that character from the word go. Yeah. Should he have been a white guy? Should he have been some sort of Asian? Should he have been costume? Should he not have been costume? You know, and it was clearly apparent that they they misstepped greatly on that one. Um, Jessica Jones, for the material they adapted, was good. Because if you watch the first season, that's basically the first, I don't know, six or seven issues of the series. It's her dealing with the Purple Man. And, you know, was it a bad series? No. Was season two great? Not necessarily, but it wasn't horrible. It wasn't as bad as... None of the series... And let me just say this. None of the seasons of Jessica Jones, I felt, were anywhere as bad as Iron Fist was. Or even The Defenders. Okay? And I'll get to my point on The Defenders in just a second, too. The problem I had with Jessica Jones season three is... I think by the point that they were finishing up, they knew it was coming to an end. Everybody else had been canceled. Mm. So I think they tried to end it as well as they could. But the, the problem that I had was you had people running around doing things that made absolutely no sense. Uh, more specifically, the Trish Walker Hellcat character, okay. who you see for about two seconds in a comic book accurate Hellcat costume, the picture's online. I, I implore you to go check it out because it's about as cool as that character got in the entire season three. You also see her in a Captain Marvel costume, which I thought was hysterical. Um, but the <sighs> I just I sat there watching it, going, "Okay, well, there's got to be some redemption for this." Nope, there's no redemption for it. So let's see. Jessica Jones kills characters, and at no point does anybody arrest her, but Trish Walker does the same sort of stuff, albeit to people already in custody, and suddenly she's got to get arrested, and it's, she's irredeemable, and I just had, a, you know, I was like, this is just seems like lazy writing, you know. You, you, you know, why trash talk one character if you're going to do it? You might as well have Jessica Jones arrested, too. Um, you see a pretty neat adaption of the Fool Killer. Uh, they took it a completely different way, which is an old, obscure Steve Gerber Marvel comic villain. Um, Hellcat is pretty much wasted. Um, you get more of the same stuff for Jerry Hogarth, uh, the Carrie Ann Moss character as you got the first two seasons. Uh, and they pretty much leave it on an open note where they could, if they wanted to, bring back um, Jessica Jones. 
which I don't foresee happening even in the slightest. Um, oh, you the one good note on this, you do get to see Luke Cage for about 10 minutes. Oh, really? They do, yeah, they do sort of touch on the fact that he's still the hero of Harlem, doing it very differently. Uh, the two of them have a conversation, which I thought was nice. It was their way of bringing back those that character, sort of closing it out. Um, as to the defenders, and this was uh, this was my problem with the Netflix series, especially the more they went on. I don't think Netflix knew what to do with them. The guys, the Marvel Studios, obviously have a very hands-on thing. You know, you got Iron Man, Iron Man Two, Incredible Hulk, Thor. Captain America, then you got the Avengers. And by that point, you had an investment in who these characters were. And yeah, they all wore colorful costumes or were, you know, green in nature or something, but you didn't get some uh, a medium that made fun of the fact that they wore costumes. And if you watch Defenders, that's actually part of what they do. You know, they're, they're making fun of the fact that Matt Murdock is wearing a, a mask and has a costume. And I'm like, you know, I realize that Jessica Jones doesn't per se wear a costume, but Iron Fist does in the comics. Why was he never, never in costume? And see, I think that was the biggest misstep because people looked at the Defenders and went, why would I want to watch this when I could just watch their individual series and not have to waste eight hours? I really, like I said, I really don't think the Netflix guys knew what they were doing or how to handle those characters. So, it just happens. seems like a lot. It's what happens when you get people who don't understand the property correctly. They just kind of do what they think they know, and, well, you get what you get. Yeah. Unfortunately. So... Do you think they'll have Jessica Jones go over to Disney Plus or Hulu, wherever you think, or they're gonna just go to Heroes for Hire, or what? What do you think their plans are? You know, if it was, if I had any say in it, this is what I, I'll tell you what I would do. I would take Daredevil and I would take Punisher mm -hmm. for, for certain. Um, on Hulu, you're talking. Uh, you, either take them to Hulu. I, I, you could transplant all five of them to Hulu, and I think it would work out because Hulu has a better understanding of what that stuff is, and that and they're partially owned by Disney. I think it's probably a little beyond the Disney streaming stuff because that they're probably going to make that more family friendly. Yeah, I don't which think would make sense. Daredevil and you Punisher know. killing people on Disney Plus would be appropriate. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's very true. Um. I don't. I mean, I guess you could, depending on how they, you know, maybe they'll have like an adult-oriented section. Not when I say adult-oriented, I mean more action, uh, adult-related titles, because Disney owns stuff that you know. Technically, they now own Terminator. They oh, own Aliens. Yeah, that is true. I mean, you know, if you put it on Disney Plus, you know, you're going to have to have a segment just for that. You know. So. Think about Runaways. You've watched, you've watched Runaways, right? Yes. Now, I don't think Runaways would fit on Disney Plus at all, though. As much as it is lighthearted, I don't think it's going to fit on Disney Plus, to be honest. 
I don't see it. I mean, I don't. I I would. I'd leave it on Hulu. Well, I, why? Yeah, why? Break up, why? And why break up a good thing? No, that's why. My point was, I don't think Disney is going to put shows like that on their plus platform. And I think shifting all these things to Hulu maybe kind of one of those. I could absolutely see them saying, "Hey, if you have Hulu, maybe get Disney Plus for like three ninety nine or something like that." To tack on yeah. to try to get some type of deal like that going, and then they could jack yeah. the price up later on, of course, because you know they're going to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I, I don't know if you've watched it or not. Have you seen any of Cloak and Dagger? No, that one actually escaped my radar, and, and it got so far beyond that I just forgot. And then now you're reminding me again. Is it any good or is it bad? Or... It's actually it's pretty. I thought it was pretty decent. I mean, given what the characters were. You know, you they they present it differently than they did in the comic books. Um, without getting into anything, I mean, if you're familiar with it, you'll know the changes they made. If you're not familiar with it, you can watch it, and you know, you, I won't be spoiling anything for you because they make enough changes from the comic book. Well, the first thing they did was they set it in Louisiana, in New Orleans, which at first I thought, how in the heck is that even going to work? And after watching it, I'm like, you know, that's actually. I thought it was pretty damn cool. Having been to New Orleans, you know, I, I was familiar with some of the areas that they used and some of the places they referred to, and I was like, you know, this is great. This plays really well in a much smaller setting. And they make references to the Netflix stuff and Runaways. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, they're very sort of subtle. They're, one of the police officers is a former partner or former friend of Misty Knight and makes a reference to the Misty Knight character in the uh, Cloak and Dagger series. Oh, they changed them from being mutants, for one thing, was one of the things they changed? That was one... See, that got thrown out a while back. I think that got thrown out a while back. But yeah, that's... They went back to the original origin, which was a chemical, chemical-based origin for the characters. Oh, okay. Which you know they were exposed to something and got powers. Which, you know, that was probably going to be their best bet for all that anyway. Okay. So there you go. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's worth watching. It's on Hulu. Uh, yeah, I just I just actually got to re-up my Hulu because I just dropped it because I wasn't doing anything with it and I wasn't going to pay $13 a month. But now I have something to watch again. Okay, I guess I will. Yeah, but uh, on an, the other side of the uh, rail, I did get to see the first episode of Krypton. Have you been watching Krypton at all? Um, no. I Well, I watched the first episode. I enjoyed seeing Adam Strange uh, on Krypton. Uh, I I saw pictures of Brainiac and pictures of Lobo and was like, why on God's green earth is is DC Entertainment or whatever they're calling themselves nowadays uh, not making Brainiac or, or Lobo like this for uh, you making this level of uh, adaption for the movies? I don't know. You know, because I'm mystified by it. I mean, even the CW stuff, as lazy as the writing gets with a lot of that, the costumes look much better than the movie version. I mean, 
come on. We, I would much rather watch the Grant Gustin uh, Flash run around in that costume than I would the one from the movie. One from the movie looks like they put it together with an erector set. Well, I, I <laughs> You know, I didn't quite get it. I was like, you know, what? What are the what are the plates? What what are we doing here? Why has he got fingerless gloves? What is this? You know, so. Yeah. Uh, anyway, season two started off pretty good. Highly recommend you looking it up and uh, taking a gander at it. It takes a little while, a little bit to get into season one, but once you do and they get the characters established like any other show, it takes off. Season two is off to a good bang with Zod doing Zod things, of course. But I, mm-hmm. I really did enjoy it. Highly recommend it. But uh, I won't get into that too much because we're a Marvel podcast. So I just wanted well, we to get, mention it. We can't talk about DC stuff on here. Don't, don't do Shh, that. We don't talk about that. Like <laughs> Fight Club. Yeah, the first rule of, of Marvel Fight Club is don't talk about DC Fight Club. <laughs> I just broke, That's right. I broke that rule. But uh, do we have anything else to uh, talk about? No, I think that pretty much covers it. That was uh, We talked about Secret Wars, talked about Jessica Jones. Oh, I did, did did see someone post up that they were uh, putting together a G.I. Joe source book in the uh, Marvel community, not the canon project, though. It was in the... Yeah, you know, I, I, I saw that. And kudos for, for... Because this if you look at it, it looks like something straight off of the back of, like, the G.I. Joe action figures. Yep. I thought it. I thought it looked great. The only issue is that most of this stuff has already been done. Um, there's a website called uh, Technohall 13, run by um, Denny. Uh, I can't remember Denny's last name. Uh, Denny Hill, I think. And long story short, he's done all of the GI Joe stuff up until from like when the series came out to I think like '87 or '88. Yeah. So far. So I don't know if they're adapting what he did or if they're doing their own thing. I'm sure that'll shake out as time goes on, but it looks fantastic. You know, and if you can't find what you're looking for in their initial release, wander over to Techno Hall 13 and check out the G.I. Joe stuff there because Denny's got the rest of it. I think it's also. I think uh, Ben Riley also did some stuff on his site, unless he borrowed it from uh, Technohall Thirteen. But I could have sworn he did. I know he did the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which yeah. uh, last podcast that we did, one of our listeners, uh, Big G, was asking if we would ever do that. But and we were just like, well, it, 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 we've talked about it. You, well, you guys said you've talked about it. It was a thought, and there was you didn't know of any write-ups, and then all of a sudden I stumbled across his site again, looking for things write-ups. And I'm like, what's this, Earth-999? I'm like, oh, it's the cinematic universe. And he had all these write-ups. The only you problem know, I have with Ben's site is the way he formats it. So, yeah, some of the, some of the color schemes are, wow. Yeah. I, 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 I love him. I love what he's done. But, dude, what are you doing with those color schemes? <laughs> uh, I don't, yeah, I don't get it. Um, Excellent work, though. Know, I want to say that. It, I, and I don't know why we didn't think of Ben Riley's site, because I can't tell you the number of times where I'll go look for something, and if I can't find it, I'll check there. Because usually he has, I won't say every time, but I mean, there have been characters that I went looking for that he did, certainly didn't have, and then there were some that I went looking for that he had write-ups for. So, 
it's one of those things where, and, and that's to me, I don't, I might not necessarily use his write up for it. I might change it around or add my own little flavor or spice to it or whatever. But I don't present it as being something like, you know, I did this. I usually tell people, hey, look, I got this from Ben Riley and I just made my own modifications to it. Oh, Which, yeah. He doesn't his, care as long as you, like, you know, say, hey, I borrowed this from him. He originally did it. I just modified it a little. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And Ben's a heck of a guy. I don't, you know, I've never talked to him on here or other than on um, message boards over at Classic Marvel Forever. Tell him Keith sent you. You get a 10% off discount card. Uh, and you know it's, but he's you know they're all nice guys. They're, all these guys are nice guys. Just don't even, take um, their stuff and then. Even um, uh, what's his name from Technohall Thirteen? He doesn't care if you borrow his stuff as long as you credit that it came from his site, which I noticed exactly. quite a few people have snatched things from his site and not given him credit for. Which he went through a little bit of a whole. Hey, I caught you. Now you know you're on my S list. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he has a long, long time ago, many, many, many moons ago, I helped him do a lot of his uh, Golden Age page. And more specifically, I did like the Invaders and a couple, maybe one of those things. And I stayed friendly with him. And when it came time to do the Golden Age source book, I sent him a nice little email and said, hey, man, would you mind terribly if I used that stuff and used your Golden Age uh, source book as sort of a basis for mine so that we could at least get this all started and get these characters underway and got a real nice response back from him. You know, of course, not a problem. And as long as you're friendly and open and tell him what you're going to do and give him credit... I don't think Denny has a problem with people using his stuff. No. It's when people, you know, and we're all a fan community. We're all friends. That's pretty, pretty much the way it should be. But, you know, there are people who, you know, I don't care if Vincent wrote it. I'm going to just put, slap my name on it or slap it up on my site and not give Vincent any credit for it. And, you know, don't do that. Because it's somebody's labor of love. It's somebody's hard work. Take the time to, you know, if you see it posted in a message board or you see it posted in, uh, heaven forbid, the Marvel RPG email list, which no longer exists. I was going to say, that's long gone, isn't it? Yeah, it's long gone, but I mean, people still data mine that stuff, you know, off of the, uh, I think it's the Tropica email list site. You can actually go and look at the archives. And, uh, uh, you know... Take the time to say, hey, look, you know, I know the guy's real name, but he called himself Bob Malo, you know, which was my name on that email list about a billion years ago. Uh, so, you know, just, just take time and credit people. At the end of the day, credit people. Yeah, I mean, most people don't care as long as you say, hey, I borrowed this, these some, various write-ups borrowed from this site and modified slightly for the, this product. Most people are like, okay, he probably used all this, but he gave me credit. That's fine. That's it. And I mean, I, you know, I tend to use, excuse me, uh, histories from the internet. You know, somebody said something to me one time about, well, are you going to write a picture? And I said, I'm not going to rewrite the, if, as long as I'm giving credit, you know, and I, I say that most of my histories came from 
the internet. My stats, are, on the other hand, are mine. You know, if you see stats in a book, those are the stats I created for that particular character at any given moment. Unless they, you know, like, it's Captain America. If it's Captain America, Captain America's had the same stats that came out in 1984 when this game was first started. So, you know, I, I'm not going to change that, but uh, in terms of the history, up-to-date stuff... Yeah, you're going to borrow from sources on I'm gonna, Marvel. I'm going to borrow from yeah. sources, yeah. Like, I, I've done projects that are free, and I'll borrow artwork from, like, um, like DeviantArt or whatever it's called. And I'll do so many of them that if I put every artist in there, I'd have a page, like, this long of just artists. So I'll just yeah. say various artwork borrowed from this website. Please yeah. credit to those authors and thanks. Uh, I'm not selling it, so, I mean, they can't really do anything to me, and I'm not using it in an improper manner. To dis, you know, to not yeah. represent them in a proper. I'm giving it for like a, a game, and just yeah. you know, I'm distributing it freely, and I'm not selling it. I'm just saying, hey fans, here's something. I just borrowed this artwork as a reference, just like if I would do it with my group. I would say, hey, Keith drew this, download it, print it, show it to my group. It's the same thing almost, in my opinion. Hey, I got this yeah. off DeviantArt. I can't remember the artist's name, but I'm sure if you go over and look this image up, you could find it. You know, whatever. X-Men image in DeviantArt. Oh, there he is. Oh, that guy. Oh, I know that guy. You know, that's just, you know, somehow yeah, I kind of feel about it. Yeah, just be honest and be friendly and tell people what you're doing and how you're doing it. And, but, you know, at the end of the day, don't take credit for someone else's hard work because that's, that's too much. That's, you know... Uh, I've done a lot of source books. I don't, you know, and I've had people on, you know, the different, uh, especially in the unofficial canon stuff. Hey, Keith, I can't find this or I can't find that. Did you ever do this? Or, And I don't care. And I tell them, well, you know, I don't care if you use my stats. Just credit me in the credits. That, that's all I ask. That's right. Put that Keith guy and that's all you got to put. That, that's it. That's it. I mean, I don't know if there's another one, but God, you don't want one. All right, with that said, we're going to head out of here and uh, go back to Planet uh, Beyonder. I don't know, whatever. Battle World. Battle World, there we go. Yeah. So pick up yeah. Secret Wars over at ClassicMarvelForever.com, and you can enjoy that module with your group. Honestly, I would hope I hope the guys from Face Rip Tactics are looking into this, because I think this would be an excellent Face Rip Tactics module to uh, for them to write up, because it's... Oh, yeah. Perfect oh, yeah. for that game. That just whatever you do, don't do two. Don't do Secret Wars two. Please don't do it. Well, I mean, they could do Secret Wars two as well. I mean, it's just as. I mean, okay, maybe not, but <laughs> no, no, no. You know, uh, uh, they did actually. You know, here's the crazy part. They did a. Um, I want to say they did a three at some point. Well, the that two, was just, 2015. Just they did comics. Yeah, and then they, they did like a Beyond comic book, which dealt with another group of people being snatched by the Beyonder. And I never read either one of like the three or the Beyond series, and I was like, forget it. I don't. I don't want to. I can't deal with it. And so, this Beyonder guy sounds like uh, exactly like the Monitor in DC, just snatching people up for his enjoyment. Well, the the difference there is that. The Monitor has had a, I would say, somewhat consistent um, adaption and, and, and history. Uh, the Beyonder got uh, wrecked by Brian Michael Bendis. So, 
if, if you really want a good cry, read that history. No, and, we don't. We don't. Yeah. We don't speak of the Bendis name here. <laughs> it's like Fight Club. It's like rule two of Fight Club. Don't talk about Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with that said, we're going to head out of here. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, don't forget to give us a like here on YouTube, the uh, youtube.com slash C slash the evil DM. Head over to iTunes if you have an iTunes account and give us a uh, review, a written review. Uh, written reviews are a little bit better than just star reviews, though we appreciate you giving us a five-star review. But if you take the time to write something about us, that actually does help the podcast in iTunes and pushes it up in the uh I guess ranking so people see it because it means that people took the time to write something about it. Hey, it might be worth throwing out in other people's faces. So if you have iTunes, go over there. We haven't gotten a review in a little while. Uh, it'd be beautiful if someone went over there and just put, hey, you know, Keith is cool. And that's just all they put, you know. Steven Watson, we're talking to you. <laughs> yes, Steven Watson, who's in chat making random comments as we're <laughs> going away here. But uh, we're going to head out and uh, Excelsior. Excelsior.